0: george rodriguez
1: howdy 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 my friends once again george rodriguez El Conservador, talking to you on klup nine thirty a.m radio the answer in beautiful san antonio it has been terribly hot around here let me tell you uh back on tuesday wednesday and thursday well not so much thursday but wednesday definitely uh Tuesday and Wednesday were scorching hot. I mean, it hit uh, about one hundred five, one hundred six uh, in uh, some areas just south of us. It actually hit a one eleven. It was so hot that uh, on uh, Thursday and Friday, uh, it only got up to ninety five, and it actually felt cool. <laughs> it actually felt cool. So uh, <laughs> that's how it. That's how our July is in South Texas. Welcome to the show, my friends, on this uh, Saturday, uh, July the 18th uh, of the year 2020. I hope that you're doing all right. I hope that you're uh, hanging in there with uh, all the stuff that's going on. I hope you're staying healthy, and uh, I certainly hope that you are staying liberty-minded. Oh, my gosh. There, there's so much going on. Um, all right. Let me go through real quick. Uh, let me let me uh, give you a quick rundown of who our guests are today. And then we'll give you a little bit of news and updates of what's going on. Um, we have Mr. Dave Ray with FAIR. Uh, he's going to be chatting with us about a very disappointing situation that we had this past week where uh, President Trump actually caved, actually uh, gave in to the lobbyists in Washington on the issue of student foreign visas, foreign student visas, should I say. Um, it was a real effort, uh, a real effort to... Uh, uh, to try to curtail uh, the number of student visas, uh, because we do have uh, a lot of problems with folks <clears throat> coming in from China in particular and uh, doing research, stealing our, uh, our, our uh, research, stealing our uh, knowledge. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've had to draw a draw line on it, as well as the fact that every student... Uh, every foreign student that takes a spot at a college or a university uh, is a spot that uh, is uh, not available for, a, for an American student. So uh, at any rate, um, uh, he did, uh, the president uh, did uh, give in on that, and uh, there will continue to be student visas uh, for foreigners. So Dave is going to chat a little bit about that. Uh, we also have uh, Mr. Jorge Bonilla uh, from the Media, Media Research Center in Washington. Uh, the Latino uh, Media Research Center. And uh, Jorge is going to chat with us about this craziness, the cancel culture Latino version, where uh, Julian Castro, the former mayor here in San Antonio, and uh, AOC, Ocasio-Cortez, the crazy woman in uh, New York, crazy congresswoman in New York, uh, they uh, were very, very upset that the uh, uh, CEO of... um, uh, that the CEO of Goya Foods uh, had the audacity to go to uh, the White House and compliment President uh, Trump. He, support, he expressed his support for President Trump and uh, expressed his uh, belief in the American dream. Well, that set off the, uh, the, 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 the doggone uh, liberal leftists, cancel culture Latinos, and uh, they uh, called for a boycott of Goya Foods. And uh, all of this happened on Monday, and since Monday, let me tell you, Goya Foods has sold tremendously. It has completely backfired. Of course, of course, the New York Times and the Washington Post and uh, CNN and all the fake news don't report it that way, but that's exactly what has happened. It has been a uh, complete uh, backfire of their uh, of their effort to uh, boycott the um, <coughs> the the Goya Foods. So uh, Jorge is going to be chatting with us about that because this is very very significant, my friends. We cannot, we as Americans, as free, independent Americans, cannot be cowed by the left, and certainly we do not want, we do not want uh, businesses to be cowarded by the by the left. We've got enough businesses that are uh, being shoved into the corner and are forking over money. I mean, they are literally being blackmailed uh, by the Black, Ma- Black Lives Matter group. And, um, you know, we've got lots of, uh, of corporations that are giving money to them. You know, it- it's like the turkey that brings, uh, that brings a- a- an axe to his own execution. These corporations, my friends, are playing with dangerous. They are playing with some very, very dangerous Marxists. And uh, given the opportunity, these Marxists will get rid of these corporations. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not sure if, if any of these corporate leaders have been listening to what um, uh, the, the Democrats, uh, uh, their, their candidates were saying early on about how much they wanted to get rid of corporate America. But, uh, you know, these uh, this is the front line. The Black Lives Matter folks are the front line of these Marxist folks. So um, we're going to be chatting with uh, Jorge Bonilla about this whole situation. And finally, our guest, uh, our final guest is going to be uh, former congressman, former Texas congressman uh, Francisco Kiko Canseco, very good friend of mine. Uh, I wanted to chat with, with Kiko about, um, with the congressman about this situation where we've got uh, so many cities that have capitulated again, that have given, given in to the leftists, to the leftist mob. And are letting them literally run, uh, run uh, roughshod. And uh, like here in San Antonio, you've got uh, the Black Lives Matter people demanding uh, the uh, demanding that uh, the city council get on their knees and uh, pledge uh, allegiance to them. Uh, they have uh, they have had a massive rally in front of one of the uh, in front of the home of uh, one of the city councilmen that refused. Uh, to uh, Neil. And uh, they have uh, been demanding, of course, the uh, uh, defunding of the police and uh, a few other crazy things like that. And, uh, you know, as these people push the envelope, push the agenda uh, to the left so far, it has an impact on taxpayers. It has an impact on businesses. Uh, Milwaukee and Seattle have struggled to uh, get back on their feet uh, after the riots and uh, after the takeover of blocks that uh, have gone on. And uh, so I wanted to talk to, to Kiko because he is a former, not only a former congressman, but he is a former banker as to how is business affected in these communities where they uh, they capitulate, they surrender to the left. So he'll be chatting with us about that. So i uh, uh, those that's our lineup for, for today. Let me give you some quick um, updates on what's been happening with regards to the uh, uh, with regards to some news regarding immigration and race relations. Uh, first of all, there was another besides uh, the uh, president uh, giving in on the uh, student visa issue. Uh, there was also talk about the issue of DACA, of providing a DACA amnesty. Uh, the president has thrown it out there that he is willing to discuss the issue of a pathway to citizenship for the, for the DACA uh, recipients. And, of course, um, a DACA recipient is one of those individuals that came to the United States illegally as a child. And, uh, of course, the question has been since uh, uh, that debate began uh, as to whether or not these folks, um, who didn't violate immigration laws personally they, because they were children, They did not uh, violate them willfully Uh, should they be punished, and uh, particularly if they are good citizens. Well, here's my position on this, my friends. Here's my position, my simple position. First of all, we can't allow, my friends, the nations to uh, use their children as a loophole to enter the United States outside the legal immigration process. We can't. You know, either we have a, a, a legal immigration process or we don't. Second, we can't excuse and reward any kind of illegal immigration, including illegal immigration by kids. We can't. Third, the plight of these uh, DACA recipients, my friends, it, it, you know, everybody says it's not, uh, you know, it's not their fault uh, because they were kids. Well, it's also not the fault of the U.S. taxpayer, and we should not carry the burden. We should not have to raise kids uh, who are dumped at our doorstep illegally, okay, The solution to these kids, uh, to their plight, the solution for these kids, to their plight, my friends, has got to come uh, from the people that brought them here. In some cases, their own parents that brought them illegally. Fourth and final, my friends, is that we can't have another amnesty. I'm sorry. We cannot have another amnesty. We have had amnesties that they haven't called amnesties. We've had... Uh, we've had uh, temporary stays for illegal or for uh, immigrants, for foreigners, for all sorts of th- reasons, uh, natural disasters, wars, pestilence, et etc. Et it's got to stop, my friends. It's got to stop. Either we have a process that everybody has to follow or we don't. If it's all going to be full of ho- uh, holes, if the laws are going to be so full of holes, loopholes like uh, cottage cheese or not cottage cheese, Swiss cheese, excuse me. <laughs> um it is, uh, I mean, it's worthless. It's worthless. We cannot and we must not continue to excuse and reward any kind of illegal immigration, and that includes DACA, my friends. That's my thoughts on that. Uh, also, secondly, uh, real quick, um, the uh, Office of Equity. Let me bring, let me give you a, a, a quick example here in San Antonio. The Office of Equity is something that uh, was put together by the, the liberal uh, mayor and city council here which uh, is uh, it, it put, literally it is uh, supporting a very, very liberal agenda. It, it, it supports uh, funding for uh, illegal aliens to be defended. okay Clearly a violation of what uh, the president has said in the past about sanctuary communities. This is a sanctuary uh, uh, city uh, project defending illegal aliens. I, incredible, incredible. Ah, oh, my friends got so much more that we could share we could share and talk to you about but uh, suffice it to say that um, we uh, continue to struggle let me let me tell you real quick my friends we need your support the uh, 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 El Conservador which is also uh, not uh, not only a show but also a blog Uh, we need your support my friends we are seeing increasingly how uh, the mainstream media how uh, the uh, reporters editors editors. Uh, in, in America, are stifling, are stifling, honest, reporting truth. They are stifling it. They are ignoring it. it, it uh, we had a, a, the tragedy of, a, of the death of a police officer in Washington State, and uh, he was murdered by somebody who is a uh, Black Lives Matter advocate. That part was completely ignored. Uh, newspapers and uh, the news media refused to uh, identify people as uh, illegal aliens, they just call them immigrants, and uh, these are this is the this is why you, we need your help because we are we are a voice for the uh, for conservatism. So, having said that, my friends, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us today. We will be right back with our first guest. This is George Rodriguez on El Conservador on KLUP nine thirty AM radio. The Answer.
0: You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
1: Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And we've got our very, very good friend Dave Ray from the Federation for American Immigration Reform Fair in Washington, D.C., and um, last week we discussed on our show this situation about bringing in uh, folks, uh, foreign workers, uh, during a time when we've got a, uh, a when we've got a, a terrible te- a terrible economy, uh, high unemployment. Well, this past uh, week it looks like the president caved on another issue, that being regarding uh, students and student visas and uh, foreigners uh, being able to come in. Uh, to uh the u.s during this time dave welcome to the show explain to us what happened Uh, great to be with you again george yeah this is very
2: confounding and disappointing a very disappointing cave-in on the part of the trump administration but last week it was announced that foreign students who are here in the u.s now it let me explain if you're here as a foreign student you have a visa that only entitles you to come into the United States and attend classes. You're not on a path to citizenship. You're not on a path to a green card. You're a visitor attending college. So the decision was made uh, given the, the, the current ongoing COVID crisis and the fact that many colleges aren't even going to offer uh Uh, You know, face to face classes that if you are a foreign student and you are taking only online classes, that you would uh, need to return to your home country and take those online classes from there. In other words, there was no reason for you to be here in the United States. Which makes Uh, sense. It's common sense, good public policy. They can still uh, attend classes, they can get their degree, Uh, the colleges get their tuition. Uh, But there's no reason for these foreign students to be here uh, if that's all they're going to be able to take is online classes. Uh, And then suddenly yesterday, after a lot of pressure from the business lobby and from, uh, you know, some of these universities who uh, uh, were complaining that they were going to be losing out on housing money from these foreign students, the administration apparently completely caved in and pulled uh, the rule. Now, you know, obviously uh, it, it's disturbing for a number of reasons. First and foremost, let me just make the, the case that uh, every seat at a at an American university that is taken by a foreign student is one that is not occupied by an American student. And if you're talking about, you know, the University of Texas and you have somebody who is a fourth generation Texas, meaning that their families have paid tax dollars into the public education system, including the colleges, for four generations. And it comes time for your kid to apply to the University of Texas. There are only so many slots available for in state students because they like to keep a lot of slots open for international students because they pay more. And it could be your kid who loses their seat to the foreign students in the first place. One way around that would be allowed would be to allow foreign students to attend classes virtually from their home countries. And that way, Texas students would actually uh, uh, be able to get into classes that their families have helped build and pay for for generations. But uh, the Trump administration caved into this rule, and so foreign students are going to be allowed to remain in the United States, even if they don't attend classes. Uh, The second point is that the reason why the student visa program falls under Immigration and Customs Enforcement ICE is that it was one of the, the, the biggest loopholes that led to the 9-11 attacks. Many of the 9-11 uh, hijackers actually came in fraudulently on student visas, uh, attending make-up universe, uh, made-up universities, and then were able to mastermind this attack. So there needs to be an eye on enforcement. So there's a lot of good reasons to closely monitor the student visa program and uh, to not allow students who are just taking online classes to be in the United States in the first place. And so the, the Trump administration caved yesterday without any signal, and it is uh, probably a, a blow to national security, and it's, it, it certainly uh, throws common sense out the window.
1: You know, who, who was lobbying? You said that the universities uh, were lobbying to... Uh, keep the program going to keep these students uh coming uh why i mean uh, i mean couldn't they just as easily charge these students for online as uh why do they need to have them in person in the united states i don't understand that they wanted to charge them for dorm fees as well Apparently, oh my many of gosh. These foreign students are forced to live on
2: campus in dormitories whereas american students are you know, can attend these classes from anywhere, can live off campus or can attend the online classes from anywhere in the nation. Uh, The other issue is that after these uh, students graduate, there are actually incentives in place that allow American employers to hire uh, these foreign students and be exempt from excise taxes for two years. In other words, if you're a a foreign student with a STEM degree and you 're competing with an American student with a stem degree it 's less expensive for the employers to hire the foreign student because of this two year uh, window on excise taxes so While these students are not here on a pathway to citizenship or even on a pathway to a green card, there are, there are you know, many people in the business community who are hired, who are eyeing these uh, students as potential employees so that made it a little bit more I – mean, why we would have a program that would incentivize the hiring of foreign students over American students when the fact is that of, of about 25% of American students who graduate with STEM degrees, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, don't get hired in those fields because many of those spots are taken by the foreign students who are here. So yeah, we really need to, uh, to, to take a harder look at – Uh, the foreign student uh, issue. The the last thing to consider is the morality of this, George. I mean, what is the morality of of denying a fourth-generation Texan entrance to the University of Texas? Because the University of Texas can get far more money for giving that seat to somebody who has no ties to the United States, who's never paid a dime into the University of Texas, who has not paid a dime, Their, you know, parents live abroad, has never paid in to the United States tax system, yet Texans are going without, uh, are doing without those those entrance seats because they're being given to the more lucrative foreign student market. I mean, is that really a moral decision for the, for the universities to make? I know that it's a financially smart one, Universities are sitting on massive endowments, and is it a moral? Is it morally right for the uh, universities to be treating our own people this way? I would say no.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I wonder how many, how much uh, foreign money uh, comes into those universities uh, as an endowment uh, because they are taking these foreign uh, students. I mean, we have seen how uh, Chinese gifts, money. Uh, is coming into uh, some research centers. I'm wondering, right. you know, if this is happening as well. Which, again, it poses a moral question. I mean, it's you know, I mean, would the the United States in nineteen in the 1930s uh, be taking Nazi money? I mean, I, I don't understand. I really don't. Now, yeah, the good,
2: that's a good point, there, George. I mean, the fact is, is that I, you know, I am not a foreign policy expert, but I, I would be willing to go out a on a limb and say that China is not uh, our our best ally, and that they are. Um, you know, looking to the United States to try to take advantage of us in as many ways as possible. And one of the ways they do that is by stealing our technology. About a third of our foreign student population is our Chinese nationals. Many of their tuitions are being paid for by the Chinese government. Once they're finished here in the United States, when they return to China, guess what they're taking with them? American know-how that's how China is coming with all coming up with all these knockoff of American, uh, engineered and, and, uh, Intellectual property. And so there is a national security aspect of this as well. So somebody like China, who we, you know, is, is having a conflict with India right now, is having a conflict with its neighbors in the South China Sea, is showing very aggressive tendencies. Uh, I think we're being naive to think that we're not going to eventually have the lock horns with them in some way. Why would we be giving, you know, all of these coveted? University slots to Chinese students when we know that their their government dislikes us so deeply.
1: Yeah. I mean, that makes about as much sense as, as giving Russians back in the in the Soviet days, giving them uh, access to our universities and our research. Right. Right. It's the same thing. It's really crazy. Um, well, I, I, you know, I, I'm very, very disappointed with uh, with the Trump administration on this one. Do you think that they'll reverse it or do you think that this is uh, here to stay for now?
2: You know, I think it's here to stay for now. I have no idea why he did this other than they decided they didn't want to have to fight this battle on top of other things that they're fighting for. But, uh, you know, the uh, it, it was the right move. It was the, it was the, the, the move that was in the national interest. It was in national security. It was in the best interest of the American people. Why the president caved on this will probably remain a mystery, but it appears that Uh, There is a very strong lobby of the business sector in the White House. I mean, they were the ones who pushed the president to back off of closing the the door to guest workers back in April when he put a, a temporary pause on general immigration. They exempted guest workers, and then the president had to come back and correct that. So we know that there's a very powerful business lobby wing in the west wing of the White House. They're having undue influence on the president, unfortunately, and hopefully uh, he will uh, regain the pulse of the American public, understand that Americans want immigration controlled, and not by Wall Street, but by... Uh, by the American people and in the national interest, and this
1: certainly is not in the national interest. Well, you got it, buddy. Once again, we've been talking with uh, Dave Ray from the uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform. Uh, Dave, thank you very, very much for being with us. Tell the people how they can follow you and uh, how they can uh, support FAIR.
2: Okay, well, FAIR is the nation's premier immigration watchdog group where we're based in Washington DC right on Capitol Hill our website is fairus.org you can follow us on twitter at fairimmigration or look us up on facebook at federation for american immigration reform we have 2 million members and supporters across the country why don't you join we're a nonprofit so your donations are tax deductible and become part of uh, the battle to fight for our nation's future
1: Thank you very much. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer here in San Antonio. And we've got uh, my very good friend, uh, Jorge Bonilla, with uh, the Media Research Center, uh, Latino, with the Latino Media Research Center, should I say. And I wanted to get Jorge on because we've got this um, outrageous situation. and I'll call it outrageous. Where we've uh, where the uh, CEO of Goya Foods, which is probably the largest uh, Latino Hispanic uh, owned uh, business uh, food business in the nation, they are uh, under attack now by the cancel culture, by the Latino cancel culture of all things. Uh, whereas uh, Ocasio Cortez and uh, Julian Castro, you're from here, from San Antonio, even uh, are demand are are calling for a boycott of Goya Foods because uh, the CEO has the audacity to support President Trump. He has left the reservation, the Latino leftist reservation, and uh, they want his head. Jorge, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. What do you think of this situation? Once again, the censorious
3: mobs have come for Hispanics that stray from the plantation, that dare to think for themselves and have their own thoughts and their own opinions. And uh, Bob Unanue committed the sin, the egregious sin uh, against Latinidad, if you will, Uh, Daring to say that President Trump uh, was a blessing to, to the Latino community. But before he said that, and I think this is what they're really mad at him about, this is what really triggered the mobs, was that he said that America was the greatest country in the world, the most prosperous country in the world. And he went on to talk about an immigrant success story. Went on to talk about his grandfather who emigrated from Spain uh, to Puerto Rico where he started uh, the, the, the Goya Company uh, as it were before uh, to moving over to, to New Jersey and he talked about an immigrant success story uh, as opposed to presenting a Latinx victim who is a supplement to community organizing and to a larger government and that I think George is what triggered the censorious mobs uh, to come out as they have as AOC has come out and as Julian Castro has come out no word on whether he or his brother are going to dox uh, Babu Nanue the way they did uh, some Trump donors in San Antonio don't they we, we know all about that right
1: right exactly I mean incredible
3: that's what triggered these mobs to come out and to come after Goya CEO Bob Unanue and I would tell you George that this is not the first time that the mobs have come out for Goya Foods
1: really? there have been really? past as, times
3: as, as we spotlighted in 2017 um, when, when if, if you you may recall we talked about this in, in, in MRC Latino But uh, in 2017, the Obama administration commuted the sentence of
1: Oscar Lopez Rivera, who some call the Puerto Rican nationalist. Oh, yes, that's right. In fact, a convicted terrorist. Correct. That's right. So
3: so uh, Obama commuted his sentence. He was released in May of 2017, and right around that time... The New York City Puerto Rican National uh, Day Parade, the the oldest Puerto Rican parade in the country, led at that point and under the influence of former city council speaker Melissa Mark Viverito, made the decision to honor this convicted terrorist, who, by the way, after his release, uh, one of the first things he did was to fly to Venezuela, to fly to Cuba, to worship at Fidel Castro's tomb, to go visit with Daniel Ortega, to go with all these rogue regimes in Latin America and, and proffer solidarity, they wanted to honor him as a national liberation hero. Now, Goya was a sponsor of the Puerto Rican Day Parade, the biggest one at that time. When they caught wind of this, they pulled their support. And in doing so, they triggered a, a cascade. Uh, Jet Blue pulled out.
1: Univision pulled Imagine, it, the heat was so hot that Univision had to get out. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, imagine that uh,
3: something is too radical for Univision, right? But Jet Blue pulled out. Uh, Univision, the New York Daily News, the New York Yankees—everybody abandoned this event once it became a tribute to Marxism. But Goya was the linchpin, and since then, uh, some, of these, some of these radicals have had it and have had it out for uh, for for Goya. So it's not at all surprising that they would take this and and use it as a trigger to, uh,
1: you know, to come after Goya. Yeah. Not I mean, at all shocking. It, it, it really isn't. You know, it has become quite common for the uh, what they're calling the cancel culture to uh, come out uh, as a mob and uh, attack anyone that uh, doesn't agree with them, anyone that doesn't uh, uh, follow their lead. Uh, do you think that uh, the situation with Goya uh, will uh, educate Latinos, Hispanics uh, across the country to uh, understand that this is a mob that uh, that doesn't want you to uh, to think for yourself?
3: I, I would certainly hope so. I would certainly hope so. Uh, but let's—I mean, let's be clear: this this boycott is, is not going to prevail. Goya Goya is is America's preeminent uh Hispanic owned business. Uh and as much as Univision goes around calling themselves America's Hispanic Superbrand, I would argue that Goya is in fact America's Hispanic superbrand. And and I think they'll be fine. And you're gonna find, George, that even some of these amateur uh, Adobo alchemists wanna I mean, talk about mixing their own Adobo spice rubs. And and they're going to go soften their own beans and soak their own beans in water rather than buying Camboya beans. (laughs) They'll They'll virtual signal for a week or two and then come back, which is what they always do. But uh, I I don't think this boycott will prevail, but I I do believe that it is a wake-up call to Hispanics, to Latinos, that if if the mob will come for you, that you're expected to, to fit into the what I call the brown box, you're, you're supposed to fit into this box where your ethnicity assigns you an ideological perspective, and if you don't fall fall in line or submit, you'll get ostracized. So you know, I I expect that people will wake up and see this for what it is—an attempt to bring everybody else in the line.
1: That's that, that's really really hopeful. I mean, I really. I hope so too. I mean, it it, it happened here when uh, when the Castro twins uh, went out and doxed some businesses. There was a uh, there, were, there was a, a, a backlash to them uh, on this matter, and uh, I certainly hope that this happens uh, on a national scale with Goya Foods. I mean, for crying out loud, uh, we cannot at this point. Uh, uh, say good things about our nation, wave our flag, uh, you know, uh, yeah. talk about uh, the American dream for crying out loud! I, I just don't understand the hatred that they have for the United States.
3: It's it's you know it's it's one and the same with the same. I mean, you got to look at this this attempt to boycott Goya within the broader movement to erase American history, to erase the American founding to erase our founders, to erase uh, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, to tear down their monuments. This is all one and the same. And so, you know, likewise, you have to tear down the idea of successful uh, immigrants and successful Hispanic immigrants that come here not to be, you know, not to be a social justice warrior and not to, to bear grievances against the United States But to tout that America is a beacon of hope and freedom in the world and to tout that success story that, yes, there is opportunity for you if you come and do the work, not if you have your hand out expecting, you know, redistribution. That's not going to work. And so Goya and and their CEO runs counter to that narrative, and that's why you see this effort to to cancel him and, and to erase him.
1: Well, you know, you also have the situation where we've got, uh, uh, you know, the, this this game being played that uh, that somehow Latinos and or his and Hispanics are are third world oppressed peoples because uh, of the conquista and all this other stuff. Uh, but the reality is, I mean, you know, we're everywhere and we are successful for crying out loud.
3: Look, it's it's yeah, that's that's counter narrative have narrative so it's it's you know you can't push that it's like I, I, and this is something i always tell everybody you want you want to see how how warped really especially within the hispanic community how warped
4: <laughs> things
3: are it, if, if you tell people about bernardo galvez mm-hmm. their eyes roll to the back of their head
4: <laughs>
3: you tell people about um, george Farag- farragut Mm-hmm. Or Farragut back then, but the, the the father of Admiral David Farragut. Like, who's Farragut? Who's Farragut? And and their role in the founding, their role, they were Hispanics that w- were key to the Revolutionary War.
1: Yeah, correct. But you
3: don't hear that. That is a convenient not.
1: No, the narrative. But you see a lot of t-shirts with Che Guevara on it. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. So that's, uh, that's, that's just part of the work that we have to do. Yep, that's right. Anyways. Jorge, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Tell the folks how they can follow you and where they can uh, read more uh, of your stuff and listen to to uh, to you. Absolutely. You can follow, you can you can view our
3: work and, and especially some of the work that I've referenced here at mrclatino.org. That's mrclatino.org. You can find us on Facebook at mrclatino, and you can find us on Twitter at mrclatino. Latino. That's on Twitter
1: at mrclatino. Wonderful. Jorge uh, Jorge Bonilla with uh, MRC Latino, thank you very much for being with us. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer.
0: Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book El Conservador Conservative Opinions online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 9:30 a.m. The Answer. Com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
1: Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP, 930 AM radio, The Answer. And uh, I've reached out to my good friend, uh, former congressman. Uh, Francisco Kiko Canseco and uh, Kiko was a uh, in his former life uh, was a banker and uh, now he's working with the Texas Public Policy Foundation uh, on uh, business issues and I wanted to reach out to him because we've got the situation for uh, Kiko we've got the situation in many communities across the country now where these rioters well they're called protesters Have uh, in essence uh, destroyed the community. Uh, The and and in my opinion, they're scaring the business community. They are making uh, some outrageous demands, and uh, the communities, uh, the elected officials, are kind of giving in on them, uh, like in Seattle and in Milwaukee. And uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, as a businessman, what do you see uh, the ramifications or the implications of these uh, uh, of these uh, elected officials, these communities, uh, you know, giving in to uh, to these uh, protesters, their demands, and, um, you know, what, uh, what could possibly come out of it? So uh, welcome to the show. Talk to us. What do you think? Thank you.
4: Thank you, George. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. Uh, and uh, I'm pleased to, to try to respond to some of these things that are going on right now. But you ask, uh, what is the economic impact? Disastrous, because you got to remember that first of all, these riots—they're not so spontaneous. In other words, they didn't erupt on their own. Uh, you have a lot of people that are professional agitators, leftists, marxists, marxists, anarchists that come and see a protest and turn it into a riot. And what they do is that they are promoting a lot of the uh, positions that they have that are to the left of Stalin, to the left of Karl Marx in many cases. So with regards to economic damage, imagine your shop is looted, uh, burned, uh, torn down, damaged, destroyed. What are you going to do? You're you're going to uh, lose a lot of employees, so therefore you're going to have a lot of joblessness. Uh, You're going to have to rebuild or never come back into the business again because... The insurance is not, may not cover you because it's one of those um, insurrections and riots and things like that that usually is an exception to the insurance policy. Reopening may happen if you've got the funds on reserve in order to do it, and a bank is going to be questionable about whether or not they're going to give you that loan again and whether or not you will be able to pay it back under the circumstances where police are not wanting to do their job anymore because they're under fire and they're under threat. Uh, So it's going to be disastrous for that community. What it is, the benefit is going to be to those left-leaning politicians that allow this to happen because they're siding with the people that are going to be bullying other people to continue you on the job if you're the politician. So you've got a lose-lose situation other than those people that are promoting it. You know, big businesses also share a huge, huge liability where this is concerned because they subject themselves to uh, all this intimidation from these uh, rioting groups. And they intimidate them to either contribute money to them. And, uh, uh, and you know, I was surprised watching uh, Law & Order late at night one day and i'm seeing that one of these channels i think it's the we channel lists all the people that it supports black lives matter and all these other left-wing organizations i turned it off despite the fact that i like the program the reruns but what they do is that they take advantage of their position to push these corporations into shifting their marketing their sales and what they do uh and also um in uh, in forking over money to these groups that uh, that are rioting and and creating all this economic damage, so it's a very very difficult or very difficult situation that those Western states, even Oregon and Seattle uh, and uh, uh, Minnesota uh, and all these other states and companies from around the country that are being intimidated by by these. Small groups uh, and causing a lot of havoc
1: now you know this situation uh, one of the th- things that that people sometimes just don't understand is uh that uh, if an area has a high crime um, not only uh you know do, do do the businesses suffer from uh theft and uh, other problems but uh insurance companies and uh lending institutions are. Hesitant to get involved in those uh, in those communities. Uh, how do you explain that to people? I mean, how do you that it's not uh, a situation of uh, of racial discrimination, but one where it's just, you know, business, smart business? Well, George, one thing that I've noticed over the years is that
4: um, if one does not like what you're saying, they're going to label you a racist racist. Uh, or other things. Uh, and as a consequence, when these uh, banks or financial institutions will not lend money where there's high risk, they're not going to invest in that area because they've got shareholders to account to. Uh, they're labeled racist. Um, we got into this mess also in the early 90s and early and, and during the 80s. Uh, with uh, these groups, uh, like Jesse Jackson's group, or uh, what's the other guy from uh, from New York uh, that's now lost a lot of weight? Right,
1: oh, yeah. President
4: Warren.
1: Yeah, uh, Al Sharpton. <laughs>
4: Al Sharpton. They go in there and they bully these financial institutions into making loans where they shouldn't be, and professing that those loans, in order to make them safe for you, Mr. Banker, you can put them into Freddie and Fannie. Uh, and it intimidates those financial institutions into making loans that they shouldn't and pawn those off into, uh, the national kill, which further reduces our economy or, or jeopardizes our economy. So you're right in under these circumstances. I, Kiko Banker, who would not invest in any business in, uh, uh Minneapolis simply because of the trouble that they have i mean this is not just looting and rioting and burning this is also broken out into a lot of uh crime like murders or or uh bodily injury crimes and things like that that make for a very difficult society that we've never expected to have in the United States of America. And and uh, we need to ask ourselves, why does this happen? It has nothing to do with racism, in my opinion. It has everything to do with groups that are going to stir up areas of the country into uh, positions where they can take over and take over the God-given right that our Constitution and our uh, government is supposed to protect
1: let let me ask you this because you know on the bright side I remember I remember as the uh, communists started to take over uh, Hong Kong a lot of Chinese money came to Houston I was the HUD director in Houston in the 90s and tons of money came to Houston and Houston has a very very large Asian population uh, that's very, very, uh, prosperous. Um, do you think that, uh, these communities like Seattle and Milwaukee are going to lose out to communities that are more, let's uh, call them stable, uh, in, 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 the long run because, uh, businesses will, will pick up and leave and maybe, you know, places like Texas will, will prosper, will, uh, will, will, uh, win out. Uh,
4: logically, yes. Um. Uh- But I'm going to make a statement that may be controversial.
1: Uh A lot of our
4: cities in Texas, especially Dallas or Harris County, which is Houston, and even our fairest city of San Antonio, is in the hands of people that uh, do not rever the values of our uh, Declaration of Independence and Bill of Rights and would very easily succumb to these pressures from other people. I mean, we've had our share of riots here in Dallas and in Houston and and elsewhere, and and I think that this is now infecting our country. So that I just recently heard that in Portland, Oregon, uh, you're seeing the same thing that's happening in Seattle and also in um,
1: uh, in where is it? It, uh, Milwaukee, Saint Paul,
4: but Milwaukee, yeah, Uh, those areas. These people are very infectious. They will not stop at anything unless people put their foot down and, and you know, stop this thing and, and treat it for what it is. It is an attempted insurrection by a group of people and we power under it or we uh, make excuses for, why am I thinking that way? They're just expressing themselves. They're expressing themselves at the risk of you not expressing yourself, right. you not being able to express yourself. So I fear uh, not just for those communities in an economic way, but I also fear fear for our more traditionally level-headed and more constitutionally adherent uh, uh, communities around the country, including
1: our fair San Antonio. You got it. Excellent comment. Excellent comment, because, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it could it could easily become very very infectious even in those communities that are that uh, are more conservative. Kiko tell the folks where they can uh, follow you where they can read more about you and um, and uh, about uh, the Texas Public Policy Foundation.
4: Two things uh, we have a uh, Facebook site um, uh, from the Texas Public Policy Foundation it's called the uh, ballot uh, or our election protection project for the Texas Public Policy Foundation. It's on Facebook. And I would appreciate y'all looking up what we're doing there and how we're doing it uh, and how we hope to uh, change the abuses that we've been seeing uh, over the years that have been literally just kept under the table a lot of times on how the left really steals the elections. Uh, yes, in Texas. Wow. But we have a lot of abuse of that and how we can stop that by changing or tightening up some of our laws so it's with the Texas Public Policy Foundation it's texaspolicy.org
1: excellent we got to get you i got to uh, get you on so we can talk about that uh, that project next
0: all right george
1: thank you very much we've been talking with uh, former congressman francisco kiko canseco with the who is now with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Thank you for being with us today. George Rodriguez, El Conservador on K L U P 930 AM Radio, the answer.